People say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGold to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. It's time for another episode of Premier League Insights. I'm Ben Cronin and I'm here with Jake Osgathorpe from InfoGoal to take a look at all of the fixtures from game week seven in the Premier League and see if there's any value on offer. How's things going, Jake? Yeah, very good. Thanks, Ben. It's uh, hectic at the moment with obviously Premier League, Champions League, Premier League, Champions League. Is, there is no stop. So, um, it's down, I mean, it's taken its toll on uh, on myself being busy. So I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to have taken the toll on, on some of the players and uh, and we should see the teams with the biggest squad start to take advantage, I think. Yeah, you and me both, but it's we, we can't complain about too much soccer. Especially after the uh, after the spring that we had, yeah. That's it, exactly. Be careful what you wish for. Um, if if we just take a little look back then, before we do look forward, we, we had our pr- predictions from last weekend. Um, Wolves let us, let us both down by, by failing to beat Newcastle there with that last-minute equaliser from Newcastle. Um, Pinnacle did have a little bit of success with the under 2.5 in the, the Manchester United-Chelsea game and, and that was obviously the one where you had the Manchester United win that, that wasn't to be and let you down but onwards and upwards for, for both of us I think the, the Pinnacle highlight fixture for this weekend is, is Manchester, Manchester United versus Arsenal what is it you've gone for with info goal? Uh, one of the other really big games I think uh... I mean, Leeds versus Leicester, it's not exactly a, a top six clash, but the two teams that have obviously come off the back of really impressive results last week and they meet on Monday night, so we'll be taking a bet from there. Yeah, so we got both of them a little bit later down the, the fixture list, but we'll crack on with our first game for the weekend and that's Wolves versus Crystal Palace. Um, I said that at the intro, I mean, Wolves look like the, the clear value play um, for that for that fixture. They, they featured in both of our predictions and it was only that last minute equaliser that really let them down. And I think they, I don't want to say they dominated, they, they kind of controlled the games, the game, I think. Newcastle never really threatened, but it was just, it was another one where Wolves seemed to be lacking a, a cutting edge in attack. Um, they're on just 1.02 expected goals four per game at the moment. We know they're very good at the back, but for them, this season is going to be all about sort of going forward and, and trying to improve that process. And, Personally, I may be beginning to wonder whether Diego Jota is, is going to be missed by them. We, I know Pedence looks good, but this is a good game where we where we might see them tested going forward because Palace have... I mean, they they deserve the win against Fulham. It was a pretty decent performance for them and it's, it's one that they needed after looking at their process after the first few games. They do still look open at the back, so that's what I was getting at in terms of an opportunity for Wolves. Um, they've also had some issues going forward for quite a while. Um, so it's it's going to be difficult to come up against a team that is so renowned for for defensive solidity. Um, Pinnacle has a fifty percent chance for Wolves, so their odds are two point zero or, or evens, whatever you want to call it. Um, the draw is twenty nine percent at three point three, and you can get four point six one on Crystal Palace, so that's a twenty one percent chance. Uh, this is a lo- as lower total as you're going to see. Two goals is the total mark at Pinnacle. Is it's pretty pretty evenly split as well, which is interesting for such a low goals total. 
Are you keeping the faith of Wolves in this one, Jake? Do you think there's still good value for a win? Yeah, unsurprisingly, the Infocom model thinks that Wolves are a really decent value bet in this game. You know, we spoke about it in the pre-season podcast, how impressive Wolves have been over a long period of time. They've been so consistent, finishing seventh in the Premier League, back-to-back seasons, fifth in our XG table in back-to-back seasons. And, uh, you know, that level of consistency was one of the things that we really liked about Wolves' chances going into the season. But they've not really reached that level so far this season. It's worth pointing out that, you know, they, they, they had a good win against Sheffield United on the opening day. But in games against Manchester City and West Ham, they deservedly lost according to expected goals. And against Fulham, they did just enough, but they, they didn't beat Fulham with the sort of dominance that we've seen other teams beat them with. Um, and at Leeds, they took the chances of, I think it was a deflected goal um, at Monday night game to win that one. And obviously against Newcastle, they they. they they were unlucky to concede. I mean, they allowed just 0.27 expected goals in that game, but they didn't really do enough to warrant, you know, the full three points, if you like. Uh, created just 0.8 expected goals themselves, which is a, a very low total and not the kind of total that, that you you need to put in regularly if you to win matches comfortably. And uh, that was a little obviously disappointing for ourselves. Who obviously we both backed Wolves last week in in the podcast and. You know that that kind of sucker punch does. It happens rarely to Wolves because they're so solid defensively. But given the, the fine margins by which they play, uh, and the fact that most of their wins are very low scoring, that you are going to get a couple of those throughout the season. I mean, you mentioned it there that attacking they they've not hit the heights of last season. Um, so far this season, overall, they've averaged just one point zero two expected goals for per game, which is a, a really low total by Wolves standards. I think last season they were up around one point six five expected goals for per game. Um, and, you know, also defensively, they've allowed 1.4 expected goals against per game. And last season, their total was around 1.2 or 1.15. So, um, so what we've seen from them so far has been, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's been a little bit disappointing. I, I mean, the results have come for them, obviously, with the, the 10 points through six games. But, um, you know, they've not really hit the heights that we that we expected of them so far. Another home game against a team that, that's probably going to finish in the bottom half is... Probably just what the doctor ordered, really. Uh, another opportunity for them to, to crank up that attacking process and, and really open up and have a go and try and create a few chances because Crystal Palace will let you do that. Um, you know, you spoke about it just there, the averaging 1.8 expected goals against per game are Crystal Palace, which is similar to what they did, what they did last season. Nothing much has changed, really. And, um, you know, we've seen in some good performances from them against the likes of Southampton on opening day um, at Manchester United. But games recently against Everton, Chelsea and Brighton, they were absolutely tragic. Um, Created next to nothing against Brighton. They managed no shots other than the penalty and conceded plenty of good chances in those. And obviously a win against Fulham is uh, pretty much a given at this stage, given the way that Fulham have been playing. But the manner of the victory deserves some credit. Racking up 2.7 expected goals. But they're the sort of teams that you expect Crystal Palace to beat anyway. Um, I think we, we had them as value bet last week in that game. But... They're up against a much stronger team here. And although they, that, like I said, 2.7 XG does look good on the last match, you have to look back a little bit further. And, and overall, that the attacking process is, is really poor and um, somewhat surprisingly so, given the fact that they have now brought in a few more um, attacking players. Bashuai's come in, Abrecieze as well. So they have got a few more options uh, in attacking areas, but they're still creating just 1.29 expected goals for per game. So... Yeah, it's, this is a, another pretty good test for Wolves, really, to see where they're at. I mean, if you remember, like, like to their first season back in the Premier League, they really struggled against teams in the bottom half and in around the bottom three. If you remember, Huddersfield did the double over them that season, 
Well, they picked off picked up points against the the league's elite regularly. Um, I think they beat Manchester United, they beat Arsenal, they, I think they drew with Manchester City, beat Liverpool. So that was what they did in the first season, and it seems as though that's sort of happening again this time around. Um, they were comfortably beaten by Manchester City, albeit, but uh, against teams that you would expect them to to get points uh, against and pick wins up, like at West Ham, for example, and Newcastle, they. they not exactly dominating teams with the same sort of purpose. So it's a good test for them. But as I've said, the Infocom model thinks there's a huge amount of value in, in backing Wolves. We're giving them a 55% chance of getting the win this weekend, um, which equates towards around 1.8. So the, the even money that you're getting is is a, a really solid value play. And um, as you said, the goal total is extremely low and understandably so, given given the nature of, of Wolves and how they play. Um, clean sheet first is, is Nuno's motto, I think. So... 60% chance of the under two and a half, which is identical to the market. Um, and both teams to score. I mean, there's a little bit of value in opposing that as well, which is uh, is really interesting. The model gives a 59% chance of both teams to score no, uh, compared to the market around 56%. So small value there and maybe, play, again, playing Wolves to win to nil. I mean, it was, what was it, three minutes away from landing last weekend again for the third straight game. So it would not one wouldn't be a surprise at all to see um you know at wolves win this one nil narrowly in in what seems to be wolves' style yeah we're kind of used to them starting slow and actually it's strange that although they haven't started that great this season it's actually relatively been quite good for them um you mentioned there about our preview pod and we talked about their their chances of of maybe top 4 and and probably being more consistent with fifth six are you, are you still hopeful that they're, that they're kind of in that bracket or have you seen stuff now that is, is maybe doubting you, sort of maybe making you doubt those initial projections? Um, I mean, um, slight doubts, but only because of their attacking process. I think defensively, they still look as stubborn as ever. And, um, you know, in this league, if you sold at the back, you're not going to lose too many games and that goes a long way to a, a good finish. But yeah, yet to see them properly click an attack, which is my only concern. You mentioned Diogo Jota, um, who obviously has been playing very well for Liverpool since he's, uh, he signed from Wolves. And Wolves didn't really replace him. They, they stuck with what they've got, which is um, Daniel Pedence. And I think he's shown flashes of what he's capable of. He just needs to add goals to his game. And um, I think that Adama Traore hasn't yet featured in a way that we would like. Um, he's not started too many games recently. Been brought on as an impact sub, so there are weapons there for Nuno to use. It's just about getting the best out of them. And uh, currently, they're still forecast to finish in the top seven, which um, I think that they will probably take at this stage. Right, we'll move on to Sheffield United versus Manchester City. Um, Sheffield United still winless after that two-one loss to Liverpool, but they they gave them a good go. And, and despite losing, I think they're one of the teams down the bottom there where. There's still a few positives for them to work with, obviously, compared to the likes of West Brom and Fulham, which is, is very much doom and gloom. Um, Manchester City, speaking of doom and gloom, failed to win again. Just two wins from their first five matches this season. It's got to be a worry for them. Um, they limited West Ham to 0.34 xG, which on paper kind of looks good for a team that has struggled really with defensive issues for, for quite some time. But it's now at the other end of the pitch and, and they're struggling in front of goal themselves. 1.06 uh, XG in, in the game against West Ham, an average of 1.5 expected goals per game. I mean, it's unheard of for, for Pep Guardiola's side. I think they've had a decent run of results in the Champions League, maybe to, to boost a bit of morale. Obviously, De Bruyne's back again. I think Jesus is, is going to be back in full training in a week or so. 
I don't know the extent of, of Aguero's injuries, but there's a lot of kind of things mounting up for them, I guess. Um, but we just haven't seen them kind of blow anyone out of the water, which you're so used to with Man, Man City, kind of 4-5-0, scoring six goals in a game. I mean, it wasn't long before they absolutely obliterated uh, at Watford last season. This one, the, the traders have, have priced them up at 1.318. Um, so they've, they've still got a 73% chance, which, which shows you kind of the perception that people still have of them despite some struggles. Um, Sheffield United are given a 10% chance with odds of 9.95. Um, and you can get 5.99 on the draw. Uh, total is at 3 and 3.5. And this is one where maybe we're seeing that perception kind of shift a bit because betters are normally keen for the for the overs with City. And this is one where the under is actually taking most of the action so far. Um, what do you make of this one, Jake? Yeah, it's really interesting, uh, mainly due to Manchester City not looking themselves. Um Obviously, Sheffield United are still winless in the Premier League this season, so um, it's sort of the last game that they would want. But look at the fixtures that they've played. They've, they've had a really tough start to the season. They've played Liverpool, they've played Arsenal, they've played Leeds, they've played Wolves as well. So um, they've not had it easy in their opening uh, six matches and obviously it doesn't get any easier with Manchester City visiting. But um, what we've seen from them is it hasn't been, it hasn't been all that bad. Uh, they sit second in bottom in the table, but 15th in our expected goals table. Uh, they've only really been absolutely like comfortably beaten on the XG battle uh, once, and that was at Liverpool last week, uh, which is understandable and, and forgivable, losing that one at 2.76 to 1.69. Um, but prior to that, all their games have been really close. I mean, at Arsenal, they only lost 0.54 to 0.18. They won the XG battle versus Leeds, narrowly lost it to Villa, 1.04, 0.97. Um, and against Wolves as well, it was I think it was 1.2 to 1.8. So... They've been in matches of Sheffield United and um, the process really isn't, it's not a level where you need to start panicking, in my opinion. 1.24 expected goals for per game, 1.56 against. So, um, yeah, the, the, I think it, it, the results will come for Sheffield United. It's just a matter of um, of when rather than if. Um, I mean, you look at the next fixtures as well. They've got Chelsea away after this, um, followed by West Ham at home, who are obviously having a really good season themselves. So, um, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't get any easy for them. Um, but you want you want to get points on the board as quickly as possible, and given the way that Manchester City have been playing recently, they might fancy the chances. Um, you know, West Ham and Leeds are both taking points off them. Obviously, Leicester beat them earlier on in the season as well. So um, yeah, they're, they're not the formidable unit that we've seen over the last couple of years. And um, yeah, surprisingly, it's ridiculous really compared to what happened last season. Manchester City through five matches have got a negative xG process, which is unheard of really for Pep Guardiola's side for for any Pep Guardiola side um, they're averaging 1.51 expected goals for and 1.57 against so yeah it's really it's just strange to see what's happening I, I think that they've not been helped by injuries obviously Kevin De Bruyne was missing um, for a couple of games Aguero's now out again for I think around a month Jesus has been out since this first game of the season when he got injured against Wolves so um, they are struggling. Uh, they look really good in the Champions League. Like, like you said, they made light work of Porto last week. Absolutely thumped Marseille. Um, they conceded just two shots against Marseille, equating to 0.04 expected goals. So that was as dominant away victory as, as you'll ever see. Uh, playing with a false nine in that game. So really interesting to see you know, what, what they can do against this Sheffield United team that are a really stubborn de- defensive side and, and that are really hard to beat. The last two meetings uh, last season... Manchester City won them narrowly. I think it was 2-0 at, at City, but Sheffield United actually won the XG battle on that day. Um, 1-0, it were, 1-0 at Bramall Lane. 
and watch was a much more comfortable game for Manchester City. So we've not seen too many goals um, between these two sides. I think probably that that's the majority of that's down to Sheffield United's approach. Um, and for me, that that's where we find our, our major value is is a, a low scoring game. He said that the line's quite high, um, which I am surprised about. The the overs, sixty four percent chance of over two and a half goals, which is it's ridiculous, really. Um, in my opinion, that's what the market's suggesting. The model goes fifty eight, so we're not as sure on an over over two and a half. But even I mean, it's a shorter price around one point six, one point six five. But under three point five goals makes a lot of appeal to me. You've got a sixty five percent chance of under three and a half on on the model. 58% chance um, on the market. So there's a huge bit of value there in, in backing under 3.5 goals. And that's definitely a bet that I can get on board with given um, you know the low scoring nature of pretty much every Sheffield United match. You know, Even if Manchester City made a statement and won 3-0, that bet would sail in. Um, yeah, that, that's definitely the way I'd go. I mean, you mentioned the price of Manchester City, which is laughable, laughably short, really, at 73%. The model gives them a 60% chance of winning this. Um, to around 1.67 so nowhere near as short suggesting that if you were wanting a bigger value play opposing City taking Sheffield United or the draw would would also be um, a selection but for me uh, the under three and a half is is the best way forward in this one. Right so we get on to Burnley versus Chelsea Um, we've got Burnley uh, one of the four winless teams down the the bottom of the table and they they almost did a, a real Burnley against Tottenham and, and held out until they conceded late on and I think if you actually look at it they had the better of the game according to XG which is I mean it's it's, it's a decent enough performance in itself but it's, it's certainly some feat when you consider what we've seen from Tottenham um, especially in attack really um, of late and they, they've struggled themselves going forward Burnley they they have some important players back now and Although I'm maybe not as confident as I was at the the start of the season about completely discounting them from from relegation, I still think it's it's difficult to see them being in the mix towards the end of the season when they're just as as stubborn as they are at the back and and they grind out those results sort of season in season out. Um, Chelsea are one team who, I mean, they kind of played a bit like Burnley at the weekend. They were we've had great expectations of them going forward, but it was a it was a really boring game. I think they managed like one expected goal between both them and Manchester United. We've we've mentioned it before, but the attack just isn't really clicking. I think Lampard's now made his comments on that as well. I think for them, uh, the positive is that they do look better at the back, and it's it's probably a case of that's the more difficult thing to get sorted out if they can they can be consistent at the back. That the attacking process should be a, a lot simpler to kind of improve in that regard. Um, it is an interesting one because Chelsea is still pretty short despite a shaky start. Um, odds of 1.574 gives them a 62% win probability. Um, Burnley's odds are 6.17. Might be hard to back them at that price, but but maybe the draw might appeal at 4.37. Um, the total was on 2.5 and 3, and, and with a little bit of action on the over so far in the, on that one. What does the what does the Infogol model make of this? Yeah, we, we think that, that Chelsea are way too short, really. Um, we're giving them a 51% chance of winning, which is odds of around 1.96. So the 1.57 that you quoted there is, is just way too short um, for a team that haven't convinced at all so far this season. Um, Burnley, although they are winless in the Premier League, they put in a really good performance, I thought, against Spurs. Um, Tottenham were averaging around 2.4 expected goals before that game. 
Burnley limited them just 0.8, which was a, a really good um, good defensive display. And, and that's something that we have seen a lot more from them this season so far. Um, their games have been unsurprisingly low scoring, uh, apart from that 4-2 defeat at Leicester. They've averaged 0.9 expected goals for per game at Burnley and allowed just 1.1 expected goals against per game. So um, their games in total are averaging around 2.06 expected goals, which is incredibly low, really. Um, and, you know, that I think is, is partly down to the fact that Sean Dyche hasn't had all of his attacking weapons um, fully fit through injuries and you know, whatnot. So now he's got them back fit. I do wonder if we might see a little more of a transition towards a more attacking minded Burnley like we did last season where they averaged around 1.45 expected goals um, per game so be interesting to see what their approach is I mean it's a tough game for for Burnley Chelsea are obviously a really good side full of um, quality players but given what they did against Tottenham I, I would expect that Burnley will try and keep it tight again um, try and be hard to beat hard to break down be in Chelsea's faces and, and really try and um, grind out a point maybe um, or, or nick at three points it's not out of the realms of possibility for them to do that. Um, I, I do think that few, quite a few people continue to write Burnley off and um, I, I'm not yet worried just just yet. I mean, they've had a couple of bad results, yes, but the performances on the whole haven't been too disappointing. Um, as for Chelsea, I mean, they, they just showed no ambition whatsoever at Manchester United um, last week. I know they're clinging to the fact that they could and should have had a penalty, um, but other than that, I don't think they ventured into Manchester United's half for, for most of the game. It was really disappointing. It's a game, obviously, we were all looking forward to, um, to attack-minded sides uh, going toe-to-toe, but they're just sort of um, happy to settle for a draw, which was really disappointing for the neutral. But you can kind of understand why. I mean, if you look back at the, just the most recent results, the two, three, three draws in there, which is, um, you know, if you're conceding three goals in a game, you're not really going to win any Premier League titles anytime soon um, so you can understand the reasons for him wanting to tighten up uh, Lampard that is but it's come at a cost quite clearly back to back clean sheets but back to back nil nils uh, against Sevilla and Manchester United so yeah it, it, I'm, I'm not too sure what we're going to get from Chelsea whether whether we're going to get the gung-ho attacking side that are capable of a 3-3 draw or we're going to get a really cagey um, defence minded um low-scoring game again. I mean, it's good that they've got the versatility to switch between, but like you said, they haven't even convinced massively in attack so far this season. I think they're averaging around 1.01 non-penalty expected goals per game, which is tragically low um, compared to some of you know the other teams in the Premier League, like Leeds, for example, who are averaging around 1.6. So there's a lot to work on. And, and yeah, basically at this price that you can get Chelsea is just way too short in my opinion. So, taking Burnley or the draw that you can back uh, Burnley plus 0.5 on the Asian handicap at around 2.59 on Pinnacle. Um, the model's giving them around a 49% chance of uh, of that landing, which is odds of around 2.04. So it's a huge value bet to get Burnley on side um, to avoid defeat. The bet I like, uh, again, the, the goal line looks a little bit too high on the market. You've got 58% chance of over two and a half. Uh, the model goes 54%. So under two and a half is a is a very decent value play in my opinion, and if you want to just extra bit of security, there's also value in in backing under three point five goals. Um, I think that's around forty nine percent chance of landing on on uh, on the market. 
no, sorry, 64% chance of landing on the market and we're 69% on the model. So there's a 5% margin there for um, under 3.5 goals, again, at a short price, but uh, it does give you that extra security if it does go to a 2-1. But yeah, I like the unders. I like Burnley or the draw. Don't like Chelsea this week. Right, well, now we'll get on to Liverpool versus West Ham. And although the, the scoreline suggests it was a, a close one, I think Liverpool, they, they thoroughly deserved that win against Sheffield United. I also think, I mean, similarly to Manchester City and, and not to the same extent, I do feel like Liverpool aren't, aren't exactly firing on all cylinders at the moment. It, even when you kind of admit that, that 7-2 loss to Aston Villa, they're also really struggling for, for injuries defensively. I mean, if, if Van Dijk and Matip wasn't enough, they've now got their, their makeshift centre-back. Fabinho went off injured in the Champions League. It's... I mean, it's, it's it's going to be difficult for them, and and obviously they'll they'll probably try and make do in, until January. But I'm assuming now they'll have to go to market and and strengthen in that department. As for West Ham, I I think well, I personally had them down as likely to get about three or four points from their opening seven games. Looking at it, <laughs> I mean that they've managed eight already, and they've it's not just the points they've got; they've actually put in some decent performances along the way as well. I mean. Attacking-wise, it wasn't great against Manchester City, but they, they also managed to limit what has been one of the best attacks in the in the league for the last few years. It eases up a little bit for them after this match, and, and if they can maintain that that level that we've seen over the last kind of six, seven games, they're, they're probably more looking or, or trying to break into the top half rather than avoid the bottom three, which has kind of been the, the theme for them over the last couple of seasons. Um, that said, the odds don't really give them much chance here. Liverpool are... 1.381 for the win, which is a uh, a 72% win probability. West Ham at 8.31, um, so just over a 10% chance for them to get three points. And the draw is available at 5.50, so that's the, the remaining sort of 17-18% chance. It's hard to see anything but a Liverpool win here, but do you think it offer, offers value at that price, or, or is it a similar case to Burnley maybe where it's a... It's a West Ham and the draw because they're such a big outsider. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I mean, I fully expect Liverpool to do the business, but um, West Ham have been that impressive that you can't really write them off. Um, you know, that they sit fifth in our XG table through six matches, which is really impressive given the sort of uh, you know the caliber of the teams that they've actually played: Manchester City, Spurs, Leicester, Everton. Oh no, that was in the cup, wasn't it? <laughs> Wolves. Um, I think they've played. Newcastle as well, didn't they? So they, you know, they've been really impressive, um, especially with the tough schedule. So they they deserve a lot of respect heading into this game. But yeah, Liverpool are rightly favourites, rightly short favourites. We're giving them a sixty six percent chance of winning. So not too dissimilar to what the market is is offering. But it does mean there is a tiny bit of value in backing West Ham on the draw. Um, personally, I think I'd leave that alone uh, in this game uh, and look elsewhere. Just because I think Liverpool, although they are defensively a little bit Light of um, light of bodies going forward, they're still you know absolutely devastating, and and the famed front three of Salah, Firmino, Mane were all rested for for an hour or seventy minutes in midweek as well, so they should all be fit and raring to go. Um, yeah, I mean you said there at the, at the start there that Liverpool haven't been as impressive as last season. I don't think they were ever going to be as impressive as last season. Last season was just something else to what we've seen in, in recent years. Um, but their process is still by far and away the best in the Premier League so far this season, averaging 2.6 expected goals for, 1.5 expected goals against. So that that against tally is is 
a lot higher than what we saw last season. But they are creating more more chances than they did on the whole of last season. So um, yeah, that I think they are rightly you know I, I don't know who's favourite in the market for the for the outright odds. I think Manchester City are marginal favourites, but I'd still make Liverpool favourites personally um, at, at, at the prices. The first in our expected goals table through six matches. Um, obviously, that seven two defeat was. Was was a fluke almost, and then they, they were unfortunate not to beat Everton um, a couple of games ago. So, yeah, there's a lot to like about Liverpool. Like I said, going forward, but defensively they are vulnerable. They have conceded chances, and they are missing, um, you know, the two centre halves plus a backup, which means West Ham have got a really good chance of scoring um, in in this match and making it a really interesting game. I think it was three two last season, um, which I think was post break. Can see something similar happening this time around. Um, like I said, West Ham have been really impressive. Not only with the results, but the performances as well. Um, against Manchester City, limiting them to just 1.06 expected goals, a fantastic achievement. Um, and in a point in that game, especially off the back of a really late 3-3 draw with, with Spurs. And yeah, the, the way that they've been playing, the way they've been attacking, um, racking up, averaging 1.69 expected goals for per game. They've got more than enough to, to cause Liverpool some problems. And I think we could be in for a quite high-scoring game, actually. Uh, both teams score short enough at around 59% chance. Models at 60%. But um, we're looking at the overs instead. Over 2.5 is a small value play. But, um, you know, if you want a, a bigger price, over 3.5 is flagged up as a, a bigger value play, marginally bigger. It's around a 43% chance on the market. Um, the model's at 46% chance. So, yeah, I mean... It, that, that's a bet I can get on board with it. I do think that, that we could be in for quite an entertaining game. But um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool raced into a lead, for example, and then Klopp started making some changes with the, the next Champions League game against Atalanta in mind next week uh, before West Ham come back into it, perhaps. But over three and a half is, is the way I would go um, in that game. But maybe if you can get West Ham on a uh, maybe a, a couple of goal start on the handicap, I mean, plus two, I know it's a short price at 1.485, but um, that for me would is, is highly likely to win uh, this weekend. I don't think there's going to be a really big scoreline in Liverpool's favour. Right, but then we've got Aston Villa versus Southampton. And, well, Aston Villa came down back down to earth with a bit of a bump after their great start. They're beating 3-0 by Leeds and Patrick Bamford obviously starring in that. Um, the XG numbers suggest that, that maybe it could have li- been a little bit closer, but it but it was a, a fair result in the end, I think. Um, Villa are still obviously a, a lot better than they were last season, but it's it's also more more reasonable for them to to see something near the top half as an achievement, despite how well they've they've started already. Um, Southampton, meanwhile, they they got a decent result themselves against Everton. It looked comfortable on the scoreline, but it. It was a pretty boring game in terms of action at, at both ends of the pitch, and more of a, a tactical matchup as we kind of guessed uh, on the preview pod last week. Some clinical finishing obviously helped them, but I think maybe the standout is the ability to limit Everton to just 0.34 expected goals is, is probably more what stands out as the achievement from that game. It's going to be interesting here to see how Villa react and whether Southampton can can maybe put a little bit of a run together. Pinnacle has it pretty evenly split with with home advantage just about edging it for Aston Villa. Um, they're 2.52, so a 40% chance. Southampton are 2.85, which is a 34% chance. And the draw has the remaining 26% at, at 3.70. Perhaps not the, the highlight game for most people this weekend with what, with what we've got to come, but 
it's a standout fixture for me. I don't know about you, Jake, and, and what do you think for the match? Yeah, it should be a good game, this. Um, I, I won't quite go as far as saying it's a standout game, just purely because I think people have jumped on the Villa bandwagon way too early. Uh, a couple of good results. Uh, obviously, the big eye-catching 7-2 win on the back of a decent finish last season. And, um, you know, everyone's getting carried away. They've been backed into, what, 30-1 to to win the Premier League title before last week. Um, it was all getting a bit silly, really. But got brought down to earth with a bang, really. Leeds absolutely hammered them. Um, I think they had around 27 shots, Leeds did, on the, on the night. Racked up 2.7 expected goals. Uh, dominant performance, really. And, and Villa were... Uh, well, that, that was actually their worst defensive performance since pre-break. Um, so, I think they'd gone around... F- was it 15 games without conceding that much XG, uh, which is a, a you know a testament to how good they've been defensively. But the fact the way that Leeds just completely ripped them apart was uh, hugely worrying and something that I think Southampton will will look at and, and try to replicate. Um, on the whole, this season Villa have been you know they've been pretty good. They've been okay, but again, I think the people were getting a little bit carried away with uh, with the results. They won one against Sheffield United, but Sheffield United were down to 10 men after 10 minutes and missed a penalty. <clears throat> they didn't create a big chance in that game, did Villa. Uh, winning at Fulham, which, as I keep saying, is, is pretty much a given, given the way that Fulham have been playing. And then the win against Liverpool really was was the one that um, you know really rocked everyone and made everyone take notice. But even that game, a couple of deflections boosted the scoreline. Uh, I think 4-2 would have been a fair reflection of that game. Uh, against Leicester... No big chances in the game whatsoever, and, and they sneak a one nil. So, yeah, they're not as good as their position suggests. They're third in the table. We've got them eleventh in our XG table. So, um, yeah, the, 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 there's improvements being made. Obviously, they probably will finish in in either the top half or top to lower half. But they're they're not going to be pushing for a top six spot or the title anytime soon. Uh, more confident about Southampton doing something. To be honest, this season, they're only. Two points behind Villa, but their, their performances have been really solid. Uh, poor start, obviously, with defeats to um, Crystal Palace and Spurs. But the performances, in, uh, especially against Spurs in that first half, was was really impressive. And, and they've sort of tightened up defensively since. Um, they conceded just 0.49 expected goals to Burnley, 0.19 to West Brom, 1.84 to Chelsea away from home, and then 0.34, as you said, against Everton. And, and that's an Everton team that had averaged around... 2.2 expected goals for per game this season prior to that match. So really impressive the way that Arsenal Hootles set his side up in recent weeks to, to make them a little bit tighter defensively. Obviously, it's come at a cost because, you know, we all know that you can't tighten up defensively and continue creating a, um, you know, a, a really high rate. So they, they haven't created as much as, we, as we've as we seen in, in recent, um, or pre-break especially when they were on fire. But uh, nonetheless, the process has been really impressive 1.35 expected goals for per game, 1.12 against. So there's a lot to like about Southampton. I think this is a really tricky game for Villa, especially coming off the back of another team that played it with a really high press and intense press and Southampton do something similar. So uh, I think it could be a good matchup for Southampton. And I know you said the Villa are favourites to win this, uh, around 2.52. Um, but, but we make Southampton favourites. We're giving Southampton a 38% chance of getting the win. 2.63 um, is what we're pricing them up as. So the 2.85 available for Southampton uh, is a value bet. And and it's one that I do quite like. I think that this is, like I said, a really good matchup for Southampton. I think Villa could struggle to match Southampton's intensity like we saw them do against Leeds. And um, yeah, Southampton do look a, a little bit... Well, I, 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 to be honest, when I, turned, when I looked at this game straight away, I, I thought that Southampton would be favourites for the match. But 
Um, yeah, surprised to see Villa still feeling getting some love after the um, the, the result last week. Uh, in terms of the goals market, I mean the overs is, is a strong favourite, fifty eight percent chance. But um, you know the models like in the unders at fifty four percent chance. Given what we've seen from Southampton in recent weeks, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see a low scoring game. That's a value play. Obviously, Villa as well have, have, have had a few one nils in uh, their season so far, um, and both teams to score. Again, is is a little bit too short. The model thinks it's too short. Sixty three percent chance of both teams to score. The models at fifty seven percent. Um, so there is value in opposing one or both teams to score. But I, the bet I like is is a Southampton win because it's a nice price, and I do think this is a good matchup for them. Right. Well, we'll move on to Newcastle versus Everton. We talked about there about the intensity that, that Southampton used to to combat Everton's attacking threat. I'm not too sure we're going to see a great deal of intensity from Newcastle, but it gives Everton, Everton a, a good chance to bounce back and maintain what has been a, a strong start to the season for them. It's it's very difficult, I think, to know which Newcastle team they're going to they're gonna come up against. Steve Bruce's side, I mean, we had them try and attack and look pretty decent against West Ham. We've seen them be really woeful at the back like they were against Brighton. We've also seen them set up well defensively. I mean, with the Wolves one, it's difficult to say how much of that was, was Wolves' lacklustre attacking process and how much of it was down to Newcastle. But it's likely to be one here where they basically set up to to not get beaten and, and hope to snatch something from the game. It's going to take a fair bit to hold out against Everton with, with so much attacking power at their disposal. Unsurprising to see Everton as the favourites as well. They're, they're pushing odds on just about evens, uh, currently 2.01. That's a 49% win probability for them. Newcastle at 4.10, which gives them a 23% chance of getting the win. And the draw is 28% chance, which which equates to odds of 3.58. I'm sure everyone's going to be fancying Everton to, to get back to winning ways here. Does, does Infogol think they should be shorter than the current price? Or, or do you think the traders have got it right? No, we think they're too short, um, which... I mean, I know our model is is not quite at the stage yet where it can factor in team news and, and team players that are missing. But I think the fact that we, we've got them at 42% chance, which gives them uh, odds of around 2.38. I think given that Richarlison and Luca Dini aren't, aren't playing because they're suspended, I think that our price is probably about right. Um, I think the 48% is too short. Um, you know, that we saw it last week that the drop-off in, uh, in quality from... Everton starting eleven when Richarlison isn't playing. Alex Iwobi comes in, he's not as good as Richarlison. And I think it'll be exactly the same with Lucas Digne not playing as well, um, who is one of their main attacking threats. Uh, I think that if this game had happened before the Southampton match, then I think Everton would gone would have gone off odds on favourites. And I think that we would have probably accepted that. But what they what we saw last week was um it was so disappointing that that it almost feels like the, the the wheels have not fallen off, but they're on the way to falling off. Um, it was their worst performance of the season by a long stretch. It was probably one of the better defensive performances. They were con- uh, co- conceding just 0.75 expected goals against. Um, but yeah, they, they, didn't, they didn't look like themselves. They didn't look like the team that had been creating chances left and right. 0.34 expected goals is what they created in that match. And that is a really low total. Um, and it brought their average down from around 2.2 to 1.84 expected goals for per game. So, um, yeah, they really need to bounce back, but I'm not sure if they will. I mean, you know, we, we talk about Newcastle a lot and the fact that they 
so anti-football and so negative and um, they get results that they shouldn't. The, the last couple of home games, they've, they've not been as bad as the results would suggest. I mean, they got beat by Manchester United 4-1, but um, they, they conceded no big chances other than the Bruno Fernandes penalty in that match. I think Man United racked up around 28 shots, but uh, none of them were big chances other than the penalty. Uh, and before that, they'd just beaten Burnley 3-1 in what was a really dominant performance. So, yeah, a lot of it depends on what Bruce uh, decides, to, how Bruce decides to set them up, whether they play in, in a defensive manner and try and counter-attack or whether they take the game to Everton. I'd like to see them take the game to Everton. I think they've got the players to do that. Um, you know, it's an Everton de- defence that, that when tested um, has has wilted um, this season. I think Liverpool in particular made really light work of them. Brighton created plenty of good chances as well. Um, yeah, I think... <laughs> It, it, it all comes down to what, what Steve Bruce is, is doing, really, and, and how he sets them up and um, whether he plays that back five with a, a, a three or four in front of them or whether he does take the game to them and play a 4-2-3-1 or even a 4-4-2. But they have shown in patches that they are capable of getting um, a, a putting a decent performance together. Um, getting results as well is something that they keep doing, um, even when they don't deserve to. Last week's prime example, the other week, it was against Spurs where they conceded three and a half expected goals. So, um, yeah, I think once I've seen the team news, I'll be able to, I'll, I'll feel like I've got a much better understanding of this game and and how it'll, how it'll go. But for the time being, I think Everton are a tiny bit too short given the fact that they're missing their entire left-hand side through suspension, uh, Richarlison and Lucas Digne, who are um, they're arguably two of their best creative players. Obviously, Digne takes corners, free kicks, um, great on the overlaps. Richarlison is, is just everywhere um, and you know he's, he's such a threat in behind. He links up well with Calvert-Lewin. So they're, they're going to be not the Everton that we that we saw over the first four, uh, four games of the season. Um, so yeah, Newcastle, the draw is a value play. It's not really a play I could, I, I'm 100% behind just because I think even with those players missing, Everton could go up here and win 1-0. Um, the, the bet I do like though is um, under two and a half goals. The market is is really liking the overs. It's given a fifty three percent chance of over two and a half goals. Um, the model's at forty two percent chance of over two point five. So um, you can back the unders at around uh, just over even money two point zero seven. And the market is uh, the model is suggesting there's a one point fifty eight percent chance. So it's one point seven two um, under two and a half goals. So there's huge volume back in the unders. And like I said, Everton are missing a couple of their key attacking players. Um, Newcastle are probably going to set up in a defensive uh, mind mindset and defensive structure. Be really tough to beat. So a low scorer looks um, looks like a value play. And I think the only reason that <clears throat> that the overs is, is taking most of the money is because of the recent results of Everton, seeing a two one, four one, four two, or two two. But the two 0 last week really was um, you know stifling, and uh, I, w- I would not be at all surprised to see. Another low-scoring game, um, like I said, especially given they're missing two of their best attacking players. Right, well, now we've got Manchester United versus Arsenal. When we've waited a few games, we've got Pinnacle's highlight fixture to look into now. Um, this one, it's, I mean, it's been a, a classic for as long as I can remember and probably a fair while before that as well. However, it has to be said that these two teams are, are very different to the ones back in the days of, of Roy Keane and, and Patrick Vieira. Both have had pretty poor starts to the season. Both have been 
pretty poor for a, for a few years now anyway by their standards. I think Manchester United are still struggling at the back. They're, they're offering little going forward. I think even according to expected goals, you, you have them in the relegation zone at the moment, which is obviously quite ridiculous, but a sign of just how bad things are. Obviously, we expect them to, to get back towards the top six and, and push for top four as the season goes on. But when you start like that, you really do make it difficult for yourselves. Expectation-wise, Arsenal are probably a bit below Manchester United and, and in that kind of secondary bracket or third bracket away from uh, Liverpool and Manchester City. Top eight is now probably a more realistic target for them. It's one where I think they'll get lucky to to finish around there if they really carry on the way they're playing. I know last season we had them sort of, we were saying around sort of mid-table was, was a fair position. It's, I can see more of the same this season, given what we've we've seen already in kind of five, six games. Just 1.23 expected goals for per game. It's a fairly similar process defensively as well. They were unlucky to lose against Leicester, I guess, but but they definitely didn't deserve to win the game either. Um, the odds for this one, Pinnacle has Manchester United as the favourite at 2.16. The draw is 3.72 and Arsenal at 3.46. So... In terms of percentages there, you've got 45% for the Manchester United win, 26% for the draw and, and 29% for the for Arsenal's win. It's a, an intriguing one here. Neither side can really afford to, to lose it. They're, they're both going to want to win as well. The added pressure of a, a pinnacle highlight fixture, Jake, for your predictions. What, what are you going for here and why? Um, we're going to go for um, a Manchester United win again. There we've got a ton of value really yeah. around 10% margin uh, for a Manchester United win you said the pinnacle got me around 45% 2.16 the model goes 55% uh, price of 1.82 so there's huge value in, in getting on board with United and I think most of that is just down to how bad Arsenal have been and how bad the, the model doesn't rate Arsenal uh, yeah I mean United they left frustrated really by Chelsea Um I think if that game had opened up, Man United would have probably won the game. Uh, they were the better team. Um, they did create the better chances. They, they created more chances. Um, and yeah, I think that if if Chelsea would have actually played that game like it, um, you know, not like Burnley, then it would have been uh, a really good t- chance for Manchester United to get a win. And um, although it is frustrating, I think that we'll probably see a similar game here. Arsenal being um, you know, much more negative side nowadays as opposed to the free-flowing football that we saw under Arsene Wenger. So United are going to have to come up with a few new ideas. I think that obviously they play in the Champions League before this game. Um, they've got quite a big squad, so they are able to rotate. Uh, but yeah, they're going to need the players on the pitch in this game that are going to be able to open a defence up, um, the likes of maybe Juan Mata um, or you know, in particular, obviously Fernandes and Pogba who I think has, has been getting some um, undeserved criticism recently. But yeah, United, it's pretty much chalk and cheese, really, from what we saw pre, uh, pre-international break to post-international break. Obviously, they, they were conceding loads of chances. Uh, Pre-internationals um, conceding, obviously, six goals against Tottenham, 3.7 XG, three uh, two goals to Brighton, 2.9 XG, that kind of performance. But, um, you know, they've played three games since in all competitions. We're recording this on a, on a Wednesday before they play RB Leipzig. Um, and they've looked really, really impressive in all three, you have to admit. I mean, against Newcastle, they limited them to just 0.97 expected goals. I think that obviously the 4-1 scoreline slightly flattered United with some really clinical finishing. But then they went to PSG, they were really impressive, um, I thought, in that game. 
after the 12th minute, limited PSG to just 0.6 XG, I think if my maths are correct. Um, And against Chelsea, they they limited them to just 0.26 expected goals. So defensively, they are looking a little bit tighter. Um, And, you know, as we keep saying, that if you you tighten up defensively, you usually lose um, some of your attacking flair and and the attacking process takes a a bit of a dip. And that's what we've seen. Um, And it's about finding that balance. And I think that, that Manchester United obviously... Finished last season a lot later than everyone else. Um, well, you can include Manchester City and, and probably Wolves in that bracket, actually. They finished the season later than everyone else uh, and then had a, a much shorter pre-season than everyone else. Uh, and they were thrown straight into the, the Premier League matches. Uh, I think that it's taken them a while to get back to um, some form of, of match fitness. And, and I think that they're now at that where they can compete and, and really start climbing this table. I know you laughed about the fact that we got them uh, in the relegation zone in our XG table, but I will just point out that they have played one game fewer uh, and the expected goals table, uh, expected positions sorts by expected points. Um, obviously, Manchester United have played a game less, so they're going to have expect fewer expected points, but I expect them to climb eventually. And, um, and yeah, the main reason that I think that United will edge this is because Arsenal have been so disappointed. Uh, started the season you know, pretty well. Obviously, they won the Community Shield basically a glorified friendly, um, picked up a couple of wins. But since, they, they've looked really disappointing. Um, I think the three defeats in the last four, 3-1 defeat at Liverpool was obviously expected, but um, you know they've been so tight defensively, we didn't expect them to concede 2.7 expected goals. Then it, they beat Sheffield United in a game, they racked up just 0.5 expected goals. Uh, then against Man City, they failed to crack one expected goal. Uh, and the same against Leicester. So they're, they're a team that aren't creating many good chances whatsoever. You said there that their, their average for the season so far is 1.23. They're allowing 1.29 expected goals against per game. So all this talk of Arteta improving Arsenal and making them better, they've still got a negative process, which probably will, you know, if they carried on playing like that, it would lead to a, a mid-table finish. So there's a lot to improve on. Um, one of the things that, that you know, you have to point out straight away is the fact that, that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has failed to score in five league matches, which is his longest run um, domestically without a goal since 2014. Uh, so far this season, his total expected goals, we played, he's played six matches, his total expected goals is 0.44. Um, last season, he averaged 0.45 expected goals per match. <laughs> that it sort of puts it in perspective that he's just not getting any chances, and and you know what, just for a little bit of extra perspective, he's he's created he's been on the end of 0.44 expected goals this season in total. Branislav Ivanovic, in his West Brom debut, got on the end of chances equating to 0.55 expected goals. <laughs> so basically, however Arteta is using the Bamyang is not the right way. He is an out and out goal scorer. He scored obviously 22 goals last season. He gets, you know, he, he's clinical and, and you're seeing Lacazette miss these big chances and you just think that if Aubameyang was playing down the middle, he might be able to take a couple of those and ease the burden. But the way that it's going at the minute, Aubameyang's going to be lucky to crack 10 goals this season, which is, um, you know, really disappointing for everyone who, who sort of backed him at around 6-1 um, to one at the start of the season for top goal scorer. But it's not a surprise, really. You watch this Arsenal team play, they're so rigid and regimented in, in, in the system that they, they've just lost all their flair. Um, you know, you watch Manchester City and Pep Guardiola are a prime example. They're regimented and rigid up until the final third, and then it's it's almost like a free for all, and and you know you can let your creative juices flow. Arsenal, it just seems very position orientated as opposed to um, off the cuff, which attacking play usually is. So yeah, 
I mean, if they carry on playing the way that they are playing, they're going to struggle to score goals and, and create chances in this game in particular. Uh, defensively, obviously, they, they they are solid, more solid than they have been in recent years. I think last season they allowed 1.6 expected goals against per game. This season it's down to 1.3. So um, there is a small improvement there, but they are still gettable defensively and they will sit in here and let Manchester United have the ball, try and hit them on the counter-attack. Um, I do think United, as a result, will take a more cautious approach probably play with two older midfielders again just to, to shore things up and make sure that Arsenal can't spring on the counter-attack. So again, probably will lead to another low-scoring game. Um, the unders did appeal to me in this, as well as a Manchester United win. 50% chance of under two and a half goals on the model. Under two and a half, 44% chance on the market. So there's value in backing under 2.5 in this. Uh, but I just think that a slightly bigger price, uh, I'm happy to take Manchester United to win. Yeah, no surprise that that Pinnacle is is once again being a little bit boring and, and playing the same. That the Manchester United one looked the, the same with Wolves last week. It it just jumps out as the the value play, and, and we're siding with Manchester United and and obviously Info Goals prediction as well. So we'll have to to wait and see what happens with this one. And with both of us hoping for a win, hopefully we'll get a better result this time around. So now we've got Tottenham versus Brighton and. I mean, this is one you, you mentioned earlier about the, the move on Aston Villa for the title and how ridiculous that sounded. There's there's talk building around Tottenham's potential chances and I think it has to be said it's, it's a more serious challenge than that of Aston Villa. Um, but I think really that that's all, that's all yeah, you can do. They've really... drifted back out of Villa now. They're about 100 to 1 now. <laughs> Uh, they, yeah, I mean, you can, I think just saying that they've got more chance than Aston Villa of winning the title. I don't know what more you can really say about uh, Tottenham's chances. I think potentially it's the prices. I mean, they're eight point seven to win the title. Yeah, that, they, they are. They in price after a kind of dodgy, scrappy win against Brighton, which just, yeah, I'd, maybe yeah. it's. I think people are maybe buying into. Manchester City's drop-off and, and potentially a perceived drop-off in Liverpool and, and that's kind of the thinking there if Tottenham can improve a little bit and, and the other two sides that were running away with it aren't so dominant then there's potential there, there but I think yeah uh, it's probably squad depth as well I mean Tottenham have got basically two two elevens that they could play at any given time which obviously allows them to compete on all fronts and, and it means that if, if someone is injured or, or needs a rest then the drop-off in quality is not that that great, and I think that in this season in particular, given how strange and uh, everything is, I think that does go a long way, really. Yeah, I think this, so. For me, it's it's the games like the one against Burnley. Like I know people have made a lot about this Jose Mourinho mentality, and they nearly slipped up and didn't get a win there. If they if they do that in in games like that throughout the season, you, you're going to be struggling for top four, let alone a, a title challenge. But... They were due a bit of luck though, given the fact you know the Newcastle one, for example, three and a half xG didn't take yeah. the chances, and then they got they got sucker punched at least this this time you could almost argue it was a bit of immediate regression but yeah I'm with you if they keep performing like they did against Burnley um, over the course of the season they're probably going to finish top six best um, definitely not a title well yeah I mean they, they, they've probably got a bit of a, a challenge here as well if you not by the the way the table looks but I think we we've said it quite a lot and I said it last week I'll say it again there's a bit of a theme emerging with Brighton maybe under Graham Potter where there's there's signs of promise, but the the ability to kind of back it up and actually get the results seems quite sporadic. They've it wasn't the greatest of performances against West Brom, and the win was kind of there for the taking for them for me, and it ended in a draw. When you combine that with the 
the loss to Chelsea, Manchester United, the draw with Palace. Already you've got four games there that could drastically change their position in the table and the, the outlook for the rest of the season. They've certainly got the, the ability to kind of turn up in, in any game. And I mean, they've even done it before against Spurs. I can't remember if it was 3-0 or there, there was some real convincing win last season at, at Tottenham Stadium, I think. Um, no surprise for, or it wouldn't be a, a massive surprise for them to be able to do it again. But the market doesn't really seem to want to give them much of a chance here. It's just an 18% chance for Brighton to get a, to get a win with odds of 5.53. Tottenham, the clear favourites, 1.649. So that gives them a 60% chance of the victory. The I don't know if you're where you're at, Jake. We kind of talked about Burnley. The mod the model wasn't too fond on Spurs last season. Are you beginning to change a little bit yet, or is it is it still a case of the markets just overestimating how good they actually are? Uh, coming round to them slowly, Spurs. the The model is is as we you know say pretty regularly takes into account around a season's worth of games when it's doing the ratings uh, that fluctuate, but it does weight them on the most recent ten to fifteen. So. Um, you know, Spurs over the last 38 games as a whole have been pretty poor, uh, but the last five or six matches have been, you know, relatively impressive if you take the overall expected goals from the start of this season. So eventually the, the model, uh, the rating for Spurs will continue to improve and, and you will start to see uh, probably maybe even overtake the, the market in terms of Spurs favouritisms. But in this game, we're, we're not too far away. We're a 50, 55% chance of, of a home win. Uh so odds around 1.82. What do you say price that they are? They're around 1.65. So there isn't too much difference there at the minute. Still, obviously, we we think they're too short at this moment in time. And I think that obviously part of that is down to the fact that Spurs' rating is not, um, maybe not quite picked up to what we'd have expected. But also the fact that Brighton have maybe been underrated here. And, um, you know, I mention it pretty much every week how impressive they are, uh, how impressive they've been in, in matches and um, just been unfortunate not to get the results. And that has continued as a theme this season. You mentioned the games, Chelsea, Manchester United, uh, even Everton, they were you know, unfortunate to lose that so heavily. Crystal Palace, they should have won that game pretty comfortably. Um, and then against West Brom, that was just a bizarre performance from Brighton's perspective. They, they were so dominant in that first half. And in the second half, they had just one shot at home to West Brom. Um, ultimately letting them in for a, for a one-one draw, so you know that we we rate Brighton highly. Uh, we we based on the game so far this season, the chances created that they sit fourth in our expected goals table according to expected points. So um, they shouldn't be underestimated at you know whatsoever. Um, Spurs sit second in that table um, for interest, but yeah, Brighton really are uh, one of the one of the best Premier League teams in terms of an underdog just purely because of the way they play. They're so uh, attractive on the eye nowadays and, uh, you know, they create chances. The process is really good. But, you know, they, they just don't seem to get over the line. It, it must be really frustrating as a Brighton fan who who, who watches all this um, really good football, watches them create good chances and, and still fail to get points on the board because, you know, I was listening, watching Monday Night Football and a lot of people, you know, the, the, the guys on there, Saying that the, that that five cut off from Brighton down is probably going to be, you know, three of those are probably going to get relegated. And at the start of the season, we had Brighton as around a mid-table team. We still do. Burnley, we had them as around a mid-table team, and and you know, we still do. Uh, Sheffield United, obviously, in that that run as well. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, 
something's got to give eventually for Brighton. I mean, this season, the problem for them hasn't actually come in attack. They've, they've scored 10 goals from 10.1 expected goals. The issue's come in defence. They've conceded 12 times from chances equating to 7.1 expected goals. So, conceded around five more than would have been expected. You know, that. I mean, at some point, regression's going to hit and they're going to go on a good run and, and pick up plenty of results. But... Yeah, this is a really tough game for them. Spurs are on a massive high. Obviously, they're on a good run of form at the minute. Um, unbeaten in five Premier League matches. Ground out a win against Burnley. That Harry Kane, Hummin Son link-up was working again. Um, and they've scored plenty of goals recently um, as well. So, it's going to be interesting. Brighton, there will be a big test um, for Spurs. I think bigger than many would probably expect. They're averaging 1.7 expected goals for per game, 1.2 against. So really posting top half numbers. And um, even more impressive is the fact that they played Chelsea, United and Everton already as well. So yeah, a lot to like about them. Um, in terms of a bet, the I, I mean, the Brighton or the draw does, does appeal um, to me quite considerably. I think you can, you can back Brighton with a, a plus 0.5 handicap and a 2.4 on pinnacle um yeah i think we're giving that 45 percent. so we make that a 2.2 shot so there is value in back in brighton or the draw um i wouldn't put anyone off that i think that they are more than capable of getting a result here especially when you've seen um, everton go there and win west ham go there and draw and newcastle go there and draw so um yeah that that for me is a really really strong bet one that i can get on board with for sure brighton always seem to play better against better teams as well um, the the goals line, fifty eight percent on the market, fifty five percent on the model. Uh, both teams to score, fifty seven percent on the on the market, fifty five percent on the model. So there's not too much value there. So yeah, for me, I mean, the, the main. If I were to have a bet in this game, uh, I would probably go with Brighton plus zero point five. Right. Well, now we'll move on to Fulham versus West Brom, and I don't know how much we want to spend talking about this game, but these two have. And they've really just struggled to adjust to the the step up in quality so far. It's it's hard to do see them doing anything but but kind of battle to to stay in the league. Both have shortened drastically in the the relegation markets, and it's easy to see why. I think Fulham's process of of one point one two expected goals for and one point nine six expected goals against per game is is bad, but West Brom's zero point five five expected goals for and 2.05 expected goals against per game is is probably one of the worst we've ever seen. Um, I haven't really got much positives to say for for either of them, really. I think you'd you'd have to side with Fulham purely based on the the process we've seen so far. I guess West Brom seem to be getting a little bit better though. Um, it's priced up as as Fulham the home favourites at 2.52. West Brom are 3.08, and the draw is 3.36. Um, and that means that Fulham have a 39% chance of getting their first win. West Brom are given a 32% chance of getting getting a win here as well. Um, and then 29% for both teams to remain winless and the result to be a draw. What do you make of this one, Jake? Who's the, the best of the worst, as it were? Uh, none of them. Um, I, think, uh, I think I'll probably sit on the fence with this one. Um, yeah, I think the prices are about fair. 39% chance of a Fulham win suggests that these two teams are very evenly matched on a, on a neutral venue. And I think that that probably is the case. Um, I think the, you know, it, we found a, a huge chunk of value in, in one of the other markets in particular. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. But Fulham have been 
Um, really, really poor so far this season. Probably well, not quite as bad as West Brom. They sit, uh, West Brom sit bottom of the expected goals table um, according to expected points. West Brom have got the worst expected goal difference by um, quite a long way. I think if I sort that on info goal, um, yeah, minus nine is their expected goal difference through six matches. Fulham's is minus five and that's second second worst. So West Brom have conceded four XG more um, net than, than any other team in the Premier League. But they have shown signs of improvement, um, as you mentioned. The games against um, even Southampton, where they lost 2-0, limited Southampton to just 1.2 XG, which is a decent defensive performance. Uh, home to Burnley, limited Burnley to just 1.14 expected goals. And then at Brighton, limited them to just 0.81. So there are signs that they are picking up defensively. But um, yeah, for me, the main, main problem West Brom are going to have over the course of this season is creating chances. Uh, average 0.55 expected goals four per game. That is um, probably, if, if that continues, that'll probably go down as one of the worst attacking processes in Premier League history, if not the worst. So, um, yeah, there's a lot for them to improve on. Uh, obviously, the signing of Carl and Grant, I think, is a, is a good one. We, we saw when he was at Huddersfield for, I think, maybe five or six games of, of this season that they went down. He scored quite a few goals and seemed to adapt to this level quite well. Obviously, he got his first goal at Brighton. Uh, I think he's, a, he's an improvement on um, Callum Robinson that was there previously. But, yeah, it, I think that, that there's probably going to be a really cagey game between two teams that probably don't want to lose this. Um, it's an early early season six-pointer, effectively. Uh, obviously, West Brom got two-point advantage over Fulham at the moment, uh, mainly thanks to the fact that they, they've got a couple of fortunate results, but also those two recent draws that have been fairly deserved. But Fulham, they look all over the place, really. Um, against Crystal Palace, they'll have seen that as a really good opportunity to get points on the board at home against a team that were reeling after a couple of bad results. But they got absolutely hammered. Uh, 2.7 expected goals against against that Crystal Palace team that were averaging around one expected goals. So shows you how poor defensively they are. I think Scott Parker's probably um, going to be one of the first managers to get sacked this season. I think he, he really is... Not improved this team at all. Uh, brought in loads of signings. Um, you know, the likes of Lamina, Loftus-Cheek, obviously, Lookman. They've shown flashes in the, in the couple of games that they've played, but they, they don't look as a team as though they know what they're doing. And I think that comes down to Scott Parker as a manager and the fact that the, he he massively underperformed with this squad in the Championship last season. You know, the, the squad that Fulham had last season should have been finishing in the top two. They had the quality... They had Alexander Mitrovic, who was the best striker in that at, at that level last season. But yeah, they they only finished um, yeah in the playoffs. They finished worse than the playoffs according to expected goals. So serious question marks about Parker. Um, and at these two managers, I think I would probably take Bilic uh, at the moment. I think he's got West Brom a little bit better organised than Fulham. Um, so if the if I was to go for a winner, I would probably pick West Brom to win a narrow one. But instead. Uh, we found a huge value in, in backing the under 2.5 goals, which won't come as a big surprise given these two sides uh, have been woeful in attack so far this season. As I said, West Brom 0.55, expected goals four per game. Fulham at 1.12. So n- neither team creating much. Uh, I don't think any of them will want to take a chance in this either, given the fact that uh, it's such a big game. So under two and a half makes uh, a lot of appeal, really. I think with price at 1.78, it's a decent enough price. The model gives a, a, a 62% chance of under two and a half price of around 1.61. So you've got a decent chunk of value there in back in the under two and a half. And, and, and that's definitely where I'd go in this. 
Right, so last but not least, and we've waited for it in for goals highlight game, Leeds versus Leicester. Um, we talked a little bit last week about how, how Leeds have kind of disappointed for the most part this season. And I mean, let's let's get things here. It was, it was a good win against Aston Villa last, last weekend, but there, there is still signs of, of struggles at the back, I think, for a, a team that was or has previously been so good in defence. Bamford is, is clearly fulfilling its potential now. We had quite a few doubters um, at the start of the season, but they, they've got some decent talent across the pitch. They're around about top half based on their current process. I think that's probably where a lot of people would have pitched them at the start of the season, but I think they do still need to improve to, to stay around that part of the table as well. Leicester are, are another team that I probably put in the bucket of, of being pretty disappointing so far this season. Um, it was a win against Arsenal, but I think the less said about that, the better. They had a a, a big win against Manchester City. Five two is a great win against Manchester City. It was it was pretty flattering with all those penalties thrown in there. They had some good wins against Burnley and West Brom, but it feels like they haven't really recovered from that drop off after Christmas last year. And and kind of top six or, or maybe even lower could be the the realistic aim for them this season. They are the favourites here, despite being away though to Leeds. They're, they're at 2.64, which equates to a 36% win probability. It's pretty close because Leeds are on 37% with their odds of 2.71. Um, it seems like most of the interest here is on the under 2.5 and 3. I guess that's one where you, you could probably make a case for both the, the over or the under, but Enough from me. What are your what are your thoughts on this, Jake? And where are you going with your prediction? Yeah, I think this could be a really intriguing clash um, of styles uh, in particular. I think late Leeds obviously playing that intense press, really difficult to play against. But Leicester playing in a much more possession-based game under Brendan Rodgers as opposed to the counter-attacking style that we saw them win, win the Premier League. But yeah, I, I mean, I think it's going to be a, an interesting game to watch. I don't think it's going to be an entertaining game. I think we, I don't think we're going to see many goals. You said that the unders is seen. Most of the money, I tend to agree with that. Um, you know, with that assessment. Um, obviously, Leeds ran up the score against Villa last time out. They scored the first goal, and then the game sort of opened up a little bit and allowed them to to create a few more better chances, make that scoreline flattering. Um, obviously, a deserved win. They were fantastic on the night, but I don't think they'll be able to do that against Leicester. I think that they'll they'll struggle to get the ball off Leicester. When Leicester have it, and Leicester will be happy to sit back and uh, and pass it around, and try and break through Leeds' lines as, as they press. So um, I think it should be an interesting game to, to watch and analyse. And um, yeah, I'm fascinated to see what will happen, really, because I think Leicester have the capabilities to play through Leeds' press, but Leeds also have the capabilities to um, you know cause a few unforced errors at Leicester's defence. I think that the market is fair. Leicester's marginal favourites. I think that's probably the way I would I would look at this as well, given the way that both teams have started this season. Obviously, Leicester, like you said, finished last season really poorly, um, and they've had a you know it's a few question marks for sure about their performances so far this time uh, this time around, especially against West Ham and, and Villa. Both of those games came at home. Worth pointing out that that you know the way from home they're still been pretty impressive. Three wins from three. That's, their goal expected goal difference on the road has been has been really strong as well, uh, averaging uh, sorry not averaging but the, the expected goal difference of plus four is is by far and away the best away process in in the Premier League uh, through three away matches. So yeah, there's a lot to like about both teams really. I, I, obviously, Leicester, like I said, they're, they're developing into a different kind of football team. Um, they, they bided the time against Arsenal. It was basically one chance, one goal. Um, Jamie Vardy. 
got himself at the one of the big chances of the game. I think there was only one in that game. Uh, fell to Vardy, who, who tucked it away. I, I, I can see something similar. I think these two teams will probably cancel each other out at a similar level as what Arsenal and Leicester did last season, uh, last season, last week. So, you know, like you said, that the money's going for the unders. I'm, I'm fully on board with that. I think the 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 price as well is is a nice one. Like two point one eight for under two point five goals. It's something I can definitely get on board with. The model, the model calculates a fifty four percent chance of under two and a half price of around one point eight five. So there's you know a chunk of value there, three ticks uh, of value, um, and yeah, I can see this being a really cagey game. Leeds before that Villa game, like we'd said previous podcasts, are not really um, you know they'd flattered it in, in attack for sure, averaging around uh, 1.3 expected goals for per game prior to that match. So, yeah, um, it's going to be an interesting game. I am intrigued to see what kind of, um, you know, what kind of matchup this style clash um, bring throws up. I just hope it's marginally more exciting than Arsenal versus Leicester last week. Pinnacle isn't holding out for, for too much of an entertaining game. We're, we're kind of similar thought process to yourself and, and it's the under 2.5 in this one for Pinnacle that, that is going down as, as our prediction. Um, as we always do on, on Twitter, the, the predictions will be published before the, the weekend and we'll, we'll have a little review afterwards to, to keep that running total of the results. I think both me and you, Jake, have said anything in, in, in terms of profit or remaining profitable throughout the season should be a should be seen as an achievement for us in in regards to this challenge but that's that's all our fixtures for game week seven it's, it's been great chatting to you as always jake thanks for, for coming on and, and sharing some of the info goal insight to to help our listeners with their betting for this weekend yeah thanks for having me ben i'm pretty sure i'll speak to you next week as well we've got another game week that's it um, if you are listening to this and you, you want to look for or look at the InfoGoal numbers in more detail, you can head over to infogold.net, follow at InfoGoal app on Twitter and download the app on iOS and Android. Remember that you can also download the Pinnacle Live Scores app to follow the action in play, set yourself alerts and bet when you get the odds that you want. For more help with betting, follow at Pinnacle on Twitter and visit the betting resources section of the Pinnacle website. All of the odds for the Premier League are now on pinnacle.com. Good luck with any bets and remember to always gamble responsibly.